Are you ready? I'm ready. You on a tink? I'm ready, tink. Check. Welcome, folks, to episode number 10 of Our Kids Asleep. It is the last, no, second to last day of March. What month is it? It's March. March. Lovely. Is this really episode 10? This is episode 10. How exciting. This is the big one. Happy 10 episodes. Yes. I just feel like we, we need to have a party tomorrow. or That's pretty you know, cool, man. Maybe we can hashtag all our friends. Yeah. Make it exciting. But let's talk about three things. What do you think? Okay. All things considered today, <laughs> we're going to be... Really trying to make that happen. I you? really am. This is... Uh, just such a missed opportunity that I, I can't believe that I didn't get to it I before. really do think it's a good t-shirt idea. Yeah. Well, if we get enough requests, we'll have to make all things considered happen. But to illustrate, that is the format of our show. We're going to talk about three things and we're going to see if we can at least get two out of three. That's usually the sign of a good episode, don't you think? Two tinks out of three tinks. Yeah. yeah I'd say that's pretty good. Okay. So let's give it a shot. What's item number one on the agenda? Item number one is the new Billie Eilish album. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about who this random ass person is. Yeah, what is Billie Eilish other than other than Billy Eichner's uh, drag name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. as he said on Twitter, that's not my joke. Yeah, I heard. I've been hearing whisperings of Billie Eilish for months, mm-hmm. and I I kept hearing about like hearing her name, and I. I think the first mention that I saw of her was like a BuzzFeed video of like Billie Eilish reacts to, I don't even remember what it was, but she's young. She's like 17. So it was one of those funny reaction videos of a young person reacting to some sort of old technology. So is that how she got started? No, no, no. She was, I just, she was on my radar, but she was on everybody else's radar, I think at that point. Okay. I also heard that Dave Grohl had taken his daughters to a Billie Eilish concert, and he was like, she's the future of rock, of rock and roll. Interesting. And so I was like, ah, Div Girl approves. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll give her a chance. And so I went and sought her out on Spotify. She didn't have an album out, which is a little strange to me, but she didn't, she didn't have an album out yet, but she had all these singles. Mm-hmm. All these EPs that she either were either featured on like a soundtrack or like she, I think she had a song in in a movie Black or a Panther, show maybe. It, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was a Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she her one of her songs is on um, a soundtrack inspired by the movie Roma. That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, it was on Roma. So anyway, I started listening to her. I don't know a few weeks ago, and she just like kind of floored me a little bit she's very um dramatic and emo and goth and and i it just it touched my 16 year old goth heart and you you felt like you had found a a kindred spirit like maybe had you guys known each other 10 years ago or 15 years ago yeah or at least if like her music had been around i I would have really connected with it as a a teenager yeah and i'm looking at it right now and really my main curiosity before we get to the album was more about how she made inroads into that industry or how she came to be a thing Mm -hmm. and currently i'm I'm looking at wikipedia and there it's it just says that she had been writing music from a very early age uh 
and she was taking after her elder brother, who is also a um, songwriter and, and performer in his own right, Phineas O'Connell. I think he helped her produce the album. That must have been. Because yeah. his Finn is, I think, credited on the album. Like the producer? Okay, so that that might explain a lot of the reasons why one of my main observations in, in the new album, which is called, what, what's it called? When We Sleep, Where Do We Go? Or where do we we all fall asleep? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Yeah, it's long. (laughs) Taken, of course, from the the single or or the song, right? Yeah, Bury a Friend. Bury a Friend. But what I wanted to get at was that the production seemed incredibly on point. And they found a really neat way to to highlight her personality. Like, Like, this didn't feel forced in a way that other pop acts normally would feel like we we made the comparison to somebody like ariana grande that seems just like she's made out of plastic Mm -hmm. and her music reflects that in my opinion this is just one guy's opinion who may be out of touch so if any of you ariana lovers out there i i guess i kind of have to apologize but i don't your opinion you don't have to apologize it's just my opinion (laughs) it's like my opinion or something but if you just kind of contrast the the production seemed to really get to the best aspects of her what she has to give yeah it's also it's not too serious i mean it is serious it's in incredibly some ways, serious but but it's also playful in a way yeah and that that goes to to a kind of what i would call a teenage melodrama mm-hmm. right where as you were saying the other day it's life or death life yeah. or death back and forth and the issues that they touch are very much from that time period of, mm-hmm. of one's life where you, you're, what is it, unrequited love mm-hmm. or losing a friend or thinking that you're going to lose a friend forever. Yeah. Um, just love in general and, and the intensity of being a young person mm-hmm. discovering what that emotion is like. I think that's a really good word is just intensity. When yeah. you're that age, everything in your life feels 10 times more intense. Mm-hmm. Than it probably would at a later age. But consider this too: her voice. She's not. She's not belting anything. No. She's not like screaming it from the rooftops. It's more. It's a more subdued kind of intensity, which is, I guess, could be a testament to to the performer that she is. Mm-hmm. She can do a lot with without really, you know, making a scene right. in a way. Yeah, the, it's very understated. Yeah, her voice. I think she has she has a great voice, and uh, I'll have to look into it actually as we continue our conversation whether she is is writing a majority of the songs. I mean, I, I believe she is, but just for my own personal clarification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while I'm doing a little bit of research here, I'll let you go on a bit about what your favorite song is because it really connected with <laughs> some of your your throwback nature. I like a lot of the songs on the album. Uh, I've only listened... It just came out yesterday. So I've only listened to it all the way through a couple times. Let me see if I can... I'll pull up the song list here. And So the one of the songs that's really great on it is called Bad Guy. And I was talking to you about this song yesterday. And it's not just this song. She does this on a couple of the songs. But her use of breath... Yeah. It is really interesting and it's it's chill inducing sometimes the way she breathes into the microphone but it's it's very like specifically placed 
and it's right. purposeful. It's and part of her craft. It's part of the delivery and in, in that performance coming mm-hmm. back to it. Because when she's emoting, the that breath is a continuation of that feeling, mm-hmm. of that emotion. And it's really powerful, especially in, in those really subdued numbers. Yeah. It it really does does a great job. Yeah, and there's also just there's some bangers on this album. Like I just <laughs> that you just want to turn up in your headphones because yeah. like the bass is just really like kicking and hmm. you should see me in a crown is a really just that's such a banger. Like that one is so good. <laughs> and then there's just these really subdued, sweet songs. Um, some are sad. When the party's over is a little bit sad. But would you say it's more like one of those happy, sad sort of things where the music is telling you one thing, but the lyrics are giving you something else? Mm, in some cases, I would say so. But um, they seem to match thematically for the most part, right? Yeah, like, I think so. When the party's over is a little bit sad. Bury a friend is is... It's incredibly morbid, but yeah. it's not like I never feel like that music's a downer. But then again, I'm an Elliott Smith fan. I think it's the happiest music yeah. in the world. Yeah. So I I think that she hits a really sweet spot of creating something that's genuine and obviously off the beaten path of pop music. But I I liked it. Yeah, I was, I was very surprised. Yeah, and I I I was sort of having. Um misgivings about my every once in a while when a new artist sort of hits the scene and they're pretty young i had this i had this same feeling when lord became really popular and i was really into her music too but you sort of have that feeling like am i too old to be listening to this like super hip music <laughs> like am i just one of those lame old people who's like yeah i'm super hip with the kids you yeah, know but then down again, fuck those people who think that no, you I can know. enjoy new music i know this I know. is this is yeah yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I come down to it, and I'm like, who cares? Like, at least I'm branching out. At least I'm, you know, I listen to the same five bands that I've listened to for the past 15 years. By the way, what are your five bands? Oh, boy. Uh, the Foo Fighters, Death Cab for Cutie, The Shins. Queens. Queens of Stone Age. And you get a freebie. Um, that one's the, cha- the one Interpol. that changes. Maybe Interpol. I've listened to them a long time. I listened to John Mayer a really long time. Yeah. So, it could so there's, be a, a, there's a few. Yeah. But it's exciting when you find a new artist that that ignites that that same feeling that, that those old with. bands ignited in you when you were that age. You know, yeah. when you were her age. Yeah. And, and so I've just kind of been like, you know what? There's other 35-year-old guys on the internet who said they've been listening to it all day because it's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, man, like, let's support these new young artists because they're good. And some of them are doing really interesting, you know, fun, new things. And I think it's awesome. And I'm not ashamed that I like Billie Eilish. I think she's... (laughs) I I called... Oh, I watched another... I watch too much BuzzFeed, but there's a Buzz a BuzzFeed video reaction video, and it's like people our age mm-hmm. reacting to Billie Eilish's new music video for "Bury a Friend." It's yeah. it's super creepy and awesome. Yeah, I was just looking at it. Like there was a screenshot of it it's as I was doing scary looking, and I was like, "What the fuck?" There's like somebody bleeding out of their eyes <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, it's her. 
I don't like it, but I like it. I <laughs> yeah. want to see it. So these these older, you know, people our age, old millennials, are reacting to the video, and they're like, "Oh, it's so scary, but I like it," you know. <laughs> and the, one of the guys was like, "She's like the anti-pop. She's like anti-pop," and I was like, "That is what she is." Right. It's pop. It is pop music. It's. It's just completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. And if anything, if there are people or a majority who do not like what she's doing or trying to do, at least you can't fault her for not trying to do something completely different. Right. And more credit to her, I I did just kind of get a snippet from an interview where she said that she writes mostly with her brother. Mm -hmm. So I think obviously he is a huge influence on what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And they're doing interesting stuff. So. I give her props for that because, well, it could be really easy to say, you know, let's let's bring in some songwriters and, right. you know, turn her into a product. I, I think they're doing a really good job just being unique and trying to do something interesting yeah. that hasn't been done before. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, I generally, my genre of music more or less tends to be more alternative. Mm-hmm. Just those are the bands I gravitate to. It's always been that way for me. And so, you know, when when you see somebody doing something different and something exciting, it's just it's nice to see. And and the thing is is I call her the the anti I called her the anti Ariana Grande the other day, but the truth is is that Ariana Grande is the queen of pop right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike her music necessarily. The music she puts out is pretty good, but the image and the it's just all so disingenuous to me incredibly so i cannot look at her and see a person i'm telling you she's made out of fucking plastic i see a doll that's what i see when i when i when i watched that like she has that sheen she yeah she's shiny and she her her makeup is always just like (laughs) flawless and her hair and she just looks like this little doll Mm. and i mean don't get me she has an incredible voice like she really does i don't know how a voice comes out of such a small person like that (laughs) but she i just i can't separate i just can't like her very much and i don't I I feel kind of bad for saying that because I don't dislike her music, but it's just not what I naturally would gravitate to. I naturally gravitate towards someone doing something weird and out there and and just fucking wacky. And And that is your personality for sure. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, Ariana. (laughs) You're just not. I'm just not that. It's not going to work out. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. See, I know that reference. I know. I'm not as old as I appear. It's pretty good. Fucking A. But I've been kind of browsing Reddit as as you've been talking, and I knew that there was a, a contingent of people who just did not like Billie Eilish, and a majority of people seem to be fairly jaded about the fact that she has people in the industry, whereas, you know, I have beef with that with fucking Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's always been kind of my thing, but her dad bought her a fucking studio, Right. Taylor Swift. Tw- Taylor Swift's dad, like, bought her a... Well, <laughs> he bought, like, the majority share of a particular record label. In Nashville. In Nashville, and moved the whole family down there, and she was immediately signed to that record label. Right. And then 
Yeah. So I wonder, and this, I might just be a hypocrite right now, but because I do enjoy Billie Eilish's music, that first album, we'll see what happens if there's some truth that comes out that, Does, oh, her parents, blah, blah, blah. Is this just a rumor or is it like, oh, she has like connections that have helped her? That was one of the things, like her brother, mm-hmm. of course, was already yeah, in I the mean, industry. Yeah, I mean, as, 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 well, listen, as if, distasteful as that is, how else are you supposed to get famous these days? Yeah. And see, I I sort of, I'm revealing a lot of hypocrisy on my part too, because think about this, okay? I love Rufus Wainwright, mm-hmm. but his dad was already in the industry. Mm-hmm. Like the reason he started making it big was because he had a little bit of an he inroad an in. there, mm-hmm. but also he was fucking incredibly talented. Of course. Now, I personally don't believe that Taylor Swift is as talented as any of the songwriters that I enjoy mm-hmm. who have connections, but at the same time, you got to acknowledge that there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on on my part, so I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy just in general. I think <laughs> I think if if it's someone you don't like, you're gonna find a reason not to like them. That's true. You know, That's like true. it it doesn't bother millions of people that Taylor Swift's dad got her a record deal, right? But right. it would She's bother. But it would bother all these <laughs> these other people that Billie Eilish. You know what I mean? Like right. it just, you know, I understand. I can understand why people don't like Taylor Swift. I can understand why people wouldn't like Billie Eilish. But honestly, when it comes down to it for me, it's just about the music. You know, like, I don't really give a shit how they got there. So, you know, like, I understand. I really wasn't. I know we're not talking about Taylor Swift, but I really wasn't a huge Taylor Swift fan. And I'm still a fairly casual fan in comparison. But I really like her new album. And I'm just... A 31-year-old girl who likes Taylor (laughs) Swift now, apparently. And uh, so I'm just kind of at that point, I guess, for the most part, where I'm just like, whatever. I like what I like. And I love that you put our son through it, too. And he was a little bit tired. And he started crying at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were watching the Taylor Swift uh, Reputation concert that they put on Netflix. And we've been sort of, we've been, he likes the beginning. He just likes the dancing and he likes the the spectacle. spectacle. He's like, this is, you know, and we've been listening to that album for weeks. He knows all the songs. And we were watching it, the ending the other night. And at the end of the concert, you know, she's like at the piano playing the last couple songs of the of her set and she's she's sort of like talking to the crowd and like thanking all the people that made this possible and and our son was just just starts bawling <laughs> and he was just tired that's all it was he was but, exhausted but what did he say oh he i asked him why he was crying he was like when she's thanking all those people it just makes me sad <laughs> Okay. Oh, buddy. I think what he meant was just, you know, it was clear that it was like the end of the concert and things were yeah, winding yeah. down. There was a lot of open gratitude happening. Yeah. and, and He's just very sensitive. There's very few times when, when he really reveals himself as my son because he's <laughs> 90% of the time your son. He's very much like you, but it's nice that, you know, that's an identifier for sure. You yeah. Know? When people are grateful, I just start crying, too. (laughs) When somebody comes up to me at work, thank you for doing such a great job. I'm just like, thank you. (laughs) But anyway, Taylor Swift aside, the new Billie Eilish album is great. If you're into that, it's worth a listen. 
Hmm. And at this time, I'm actually watching some clips of the Billie Eilish video, Bury a Friend, which I haven't seen before. And this is some... It's scary as hell. This is some haunted house shit mm-hmm. right now. She doesn't even have eyeballs. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's all kinds of scary. Mm-hmm. They're they're injecting all kinds of, of stuff on her back, and I think she's going to explode. Mm. I think that's the impression that I get. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll finish it later, but the I'm going to have a seizure, and she's floating. She's fucking haunted. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Don't watch that show with your kids. Yeah. And what do you think? Are we going to tink to that one? I think so. I think she deserves a tink. Why not? Industry connections or not, here we go. Just go listen to something new, folks. That's really what it's all about, right? Don't stay in your in your general rotation of stuff that you've already had in your compact disc player. I can't say that. God, I'm dating myself. Yeah. Just, I tell you what, just wipe your your phone, all that no, music don't, off don't your do phone. That. Okay, don't wipe your phone. Just the music part. Well, and then we... Download new shit. We paid for the Spotify the Spotify premium subscription. Right. I guess it's not a matter of space anymore. So disregard what I just said. <laughs> well, and it's one thing, it's 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 a little overwhelming how much music we have access to now. Yeah. And so I find myself just going back to the same seven albums. Yeah, and know, think about and this. Just... We've had the account for about four months, was it? And I still haven't been able to reach out and try to find new stuff because mm-hmm. I just it's like I'm starting over again. I like click, I forgot everything. I click in the search box and I just freeze up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Who do I like? What? Just, the Muppets. <laughs> What's music? Yeah. Yeah. So, no clue. No. no clue. It's a sign of the times. You just yeah. got to get with it. Yeah. They ain't going to stop for us. Nope. You kidding me? Just content. I already just... got like a couple of gray hairs. They're just going to like push me into the shredder now. Yeah. That's what they do to just old people. Open your mouth and just. That's why, like, I never tell anyone that my back hurts or that, like, I need soft food (laughs) or that, you know, like, things that old people have to worry about because I'm just going to be out the door. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of time. But isn't that the case for all of us? (laughs) You want to move on to item number two? Speaking of... uh, 20 years older than... Yeah, that's true. I enjoy the drama. Okay, so the second thing we wanted to talk about is... This Washington Post article that you brought to my attention <laughs> by Christopher Ingram. Is that how you say his last name? Sure. Okay. Men under the age of, between the ages of 18 and 29 are not having sex. At all. And I guess that's an unfortunate thing or? I think it's mostly just a curious thing. Um, <laughs> because generally speaking, that age group is not <laughs> sexless. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it, it raises the question, how have the conditions changed over the last 10 years mm-hmm. to warrant such a drastic drop-off? Because it's it was quite a high percentage, and as soon as I get to the article, I'm, we're going to be able to mm-hmm. talk about it in, in a more specific specific. Way. So this no, article no. this article is referencing data gathered by the General Social Survey, which is just sort of a... Uh, the way the website described it, it was just like a, a survey company that collects data about American society and how society is changing over time. Um, and that's where a lot of the data in this article has come from. But they're just sort of analyzing it, you know, and, and trying to determine 
what is causing these pretty steep declines in um, sexual activity among young people. Yeah, and I'm just going to read this portion here. It says, uh, this is from the article from the Washington Post by Christopher Ingram. Changes at the other end of the age spectrum may be playing an even bigger role. The portion of Americans 18 to 29 reporting no sex in the past year more than doubled between 2008 and 2018 to 23%. So that seems to be a pretty drastic jump in that particular number. And one of the things that it talked about was the fact that a lot of these these guys don't have their own homes. They're living with their parents, and that seemed to be a major yeah, that was, factor that, that was, was preventing them from... That was one of the things they mentioned. And this is obviously just speculation. They don't really know It didn't why, say in that report, right. But they're speculating that that is one of the issues is... Obviously, when you're living with your parents, bringing someone to home to home to have sex with is not going to be as easy. Yeah, and uh, some of the other reasons they they mentioned may be that they they were saying that um, the Me Too movement. At least that's yeah. what, that's what the the author of the article mentioned yeah. on Twitter. That was something that they mentioned. Just that in this uh, very different sexual climate. Um, people are afraid to to venture into that. Men were that uncomfortable murky. in a way to to make the wrong move. Sure, but I think it's just lack of information on their part, and maybe just not having the right tools. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think the Me Too thing I think is is very speculative. I don't really think that's this has clearly been going on for much longer than. Than yeah. the Me Too movement. And the third the third thing that was mentioned by the author himself on Twitter as well, which I think is is a main culprit of this particular issue, is the development of social media and the lack of social interaction. Again, the loss of, of the tools to be social. Yeah. I th- and I did, you're yeah. talking about the the time period from 2008 to 2019, which is right at the peak of, of Facebook starting to come into the limelight, and Twitter, I guess, started the year after. 2006. No, no, it started Before like 2000, that? like two, between 2007 or 2009. Oh. I can't really place it, but. Just think of the impact and think of how we lived mm-hmm. before before social media. Mm-hmm. We weren't assaulted by 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 information, and we also, I mean, we had to be social mm-hmm. because we didn't have the alternative of being social online. Yeah, the, another thing they mentioned, not just social media but technology more broadly, has really peaked. Video games, social media, the internet. Um, you know, there's so there, they, so what way, she would, said was there's a lot more to do at 10 o'clock at night than there was 10 or 20 years ago. So you're telling me that a single guy would rather devote his time to just playing video games or staying online than to than to try to find somebody to to potentially spend time with. I think, see, and that's hard to know if it's if it's just easier to do that. Than it is to, you know, to try to go find somebody. But I think maybe what we're not considering is that maybe some people just don't want it. You know, there's other things you can do with your life than look for a partner. You know? Okay, I, I get that. But 
I guess I guess the curious thing here is is that a natural kind of scale that we're seeing mm -hmm. to go from what was it? It was like eighteen to what was 29? the increase? Oh, the percentage increase? Yeah, like eighteen to twenty nine percent was it? Uh, it was twenty three percent. So whatever half of twenty three is. Right. It was almost. Does that done. does that seem like a, an accurate, or does that seem like an organic growth for no. that trend? No. Um, it's been accelerated. Yeah. Yeah. Probably by technology. Yeah. So think about this. Remember what they were saying about uh, some of the the younger males in Japan who mm. who were just completely completely removed from the prospect of. Um, of dating or being with a woman because because of the fear of shame mm -hmm. or Rejection. potentially being rejected, mm -hmm. and this was something that they you know they essentially removed themselves from. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is a component of just not wanting to deal with that situation, yeah, and choosing to stay in a, in a kind of extended uh, adolescence, extended adolescence where yeah. if you don't have to deal with that shit, why approach it? Why? Right. Yeah. Why is it necessary? I think there's a lot of factors that go into this. I mean, I think that we are living in a time now where it is no longer required <laughs> by society mm -hmm. for a 20-year-old man to get married and have children. Mm -hmm. That is no longer required. It is not expected. So what's happening is the, the age that people are pairing off and get together is is just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. The mm -hmm. average age when a man gets married is twenty seven. That's now. when I got no, I got married at twenty six. Yeah, I don't remember. How old was I? I don't remember. That was I was twenty five. Okay, so that's pretty okay. normal. So yeah, for our generation, right? Um, and the same with women. the The age has been pushed back, and I, you know, there's a lot of factors to that. People, money, money <laughs> college, people are waiting until they graduate. People yeah. are waiting until they have some debt paid off. Getting married is not cheap. Mm. But these so, guys haven't even gotten there, babe. I know. Like, <laughs> but there's not as much pressure to get there now. Like, you know? it'll come. Yeah. like It'll happen. I yeah. just don't think there's as much you. societal pressure. So they're just like, well, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to, you know, do what I want to do. Women are doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's just men. And that's what I want to see too. I want to see the flip side of this. To, there to is, compare. I mean, they do talk about the numbers. They're not quite as steep for women as they are for men, but they're mm -hmm. there. I honestly, I don't think people are prioritizing relationships the way they used to. You know, you see a lot of like, at least from a woman's perspective, what I see online might be different than what you see online, mm -hmm. but I see a lot of articles like um, being single in your 20s is better for you mentally sure yeah um you know self-care and it's a lot a lot of um of self course. self um actualization you mm -hmm. know bef because there's no need anymore to immediately jump into marriage to immediately jump into a long-term relationship it there's such a huge focus on getting to know yourself before you commit to somebody on in a long-term manner Hmm. So as far as we're talking about relationships, this article is talking about sex specifically. Yeah, specifically so, just men. So clearly young people are not having as much casual sex anymore is what that tells me. Because, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, clearly 
there wasn't necessarily more relationships, but there were more casual encounters. Well, and this brings an interesting point, too. Do you think that because we have more data, you're getting more information about the people who weren't going to have sex at that age anyway? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, and, and maybe they weren't documenting that as, as publicly mm, before. Maybe. Because if you're online and you're a single guy, you know, you, you share your information, I'm single, whatever. Yeah. Whereas before, I mean, it was a lot easier for people who were, who, who were out and about together, married, or already in relationships to, to identify themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think people like would, would feel that that's sort of like a shameful thing and maybe wouldn't voice it or make it public? Back Ten years ago or no? Ten years ago. Yeah, probably. Like, oh, I don't want to be... Mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen as the the, the odd one guy. out. Yeah, the single guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, there's probably more data on it. I mean, with, like, online dating and stuff, like, everyone's information is out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of factors in it. But I think also that I don't I don't really know how I feel about... I feel I feel sort of conflicted about that that like extended adolescence or the arrested development of young people. And see, and we come back to that and I agree with you. I feel that it is, it is a concern because it's healthy to take that time when you're single to, to not just think about marriage or a relationship, but, but like you said, to have that self-actualization, but is that actually happening? Right. That's all well and good yeah. that you're, you're single. If you want to be single, or, you know, if that's not a priority for you, but what are you doing with your life at that point? Mm-hmm. What are you pursuing? What are you learning? Right. Uh, how are you developing yourself right. to be a better a better person or to be ready to be a partner to someone mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do? Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I don't believe that <laughs> that most guys would, would feel compelled to do that. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I genuinely hope I'm wrong and that people are actually trying to pursue their own self-fulfillment before they they find somebody that they want to spend the rest of their life with or if they want to spend a whole lifetime looking for several partners or whatever types of relationships they want. Mm-hmm. But why isn't... I yeah. don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that I don't believe that they're, they're taking that time to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard because... It's like, do we need to adjust our understanding of what a fulfilling life means? You know, because Possibly. because it's gone from wife and, you know, or partner and children and yeah. a house and, you know, like these normal dominoes that yeah. fall into place and when you do these things. And now, now it's like, well, yeah. why do I need to do all that? Yeah, we do have to che- check our point of view here and realize that we chose to get married in our 20s, mm-hmm. we chose to have a child. We chose to strive, work our asses off to get a home. Mm-hmm. And that's not everyone's dream situation. Right. Some people would rather just be on their own and playing video games. And that's like mm-hmm. heaven. That's an ideal scenario. Mm-hmm. Some people would rather, you know, not do either of those things. Right. And find something else. Right. So it's, it's an interesting question to ask. I don't know that it's our place to to say that they're unfulfilled. Right. But I'm curious what would what is making these people fulfilled or what is I do think there are definitely people who are stuck in the mm-hmm. in that situation of extended adolescence 
who would prefer to not be um, and maybe don't feel they have the tools or the, uh, you know, to, who, do, who don't feel they have the tools to get themselves out of that situation. Mm. Um, you know, not everybody likes online dating. Online dating can be kind of a shit show, <laughs> you know, and not everybody wants to do that. And it it's not as, e- I don't know, is it as easy anymore to meet people organically? I don't think it is, you know, and that that requires an immense effort. <laughs> you really have to want yeah, it to meet yeah. somebody organically these days. Right. And but but tying it back <clears throat> into the original intent of the article, it's about men having less sex. Less sex. Mm-hmm. So it's not even relationships, it's just yeah, casual encounters casual maybe. Encounters, yeah. Or Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are are people it's like are they scared of are they scared of herpes? rejection? Yeah, are they scared of getting a I disease? I think it's I think it's a new disease called herpes rejection. <laughs> yeah. It is just easier to sit at home and play video games than it is to go out and try to hook up. Yeah. In this day and age, things are so hard to to do that maybe they're just yeah, wanting to avoid that whole step and say, yeah. "No, that's a lot of work. I'd rather just sit here, push this controller and call mm-hmm. it good." We'll have to ask Caddy G what his thoughts are on this. Like if he thinks that gaming is an influence or a huge factor on this, or if it's a minor mm-hmm. part of the of the excuse pie. Mm-hmm. But it might be a topic for further conversation down the road. Uh, my personal thought would be as long as they want to be left alone, then fuck it. Go and be happy. Live your best life. I'll tink to that. But if not, I hope that you find somebody that you that you really care about and somebody that loves you back. And I hope that you're not a piece of shit, you mm-hmm. know, and I hope that the reason that you're, that, that you're, that you're single is not because you're, you're some kind of, you know, anti me too mm-hmm. individual or you're just, yeah, the thing that, that, that the, could thing, be another the, factor thing, the thing that concerns me about that statistic of this sexless generate, this sexless group of people is the, the incel right and that that's something we didn't even talk about really is i mean that's you know in in case you don't know incel stands for involuntary celibacy which is this group of men generally it's men who who feel that they are that they are being victimized by women who will not have sex with them but it is their right isn't that right or is that a a completely different no i i do think there are more violent uh more aggressive angry incel groups that are more like men's rights activists yeah that believe that it is their their masculine yeah. uh entitlement to a woman's body yeah i and think those guys that's, are definitely not getting laid those no, guys no, no, fucking no, no. suck i think there are two there are those people and then there are men who are more like oh woe is me no girl will fuck me you know i'm the nice guy and no i better girl hang will out with this me. pillow with a face yeah on exactly <laughs> so i think there are group you know there's this this incel group of men that make me feel like i don't really know what to say about that other than um that this technology and and all the other things we talked about could be contributing to those things. Yeah. Another point to tack on to this conversation is the interesting patterns that tend to happen among controversial events and happenings like this. 
where where it's it's fairly documented that tribalism comes back to to being a, a major component in a lot of these things. Obviously, there I may not have enough data to say that it this is the case with this situation, but wouldn't you say that if if somebody who's having a difficulty finding finding somebody to date or is just losing hope on on ever being able to get laid uh would probably seek out these resources and maybe find another group of incels or maybe become an incel because of that frustration and i mean it's so easy these days to find a group that will advocate your anger Mm -hmm. and not your your peace of mind and your clarity yeah and i think that's a big criticism of those groups is that they don't the the initial I heard about this on NPR. The initial purpose of the incel group was to to help other people who oh, were right. Who right. Were, it was wasn't actually, it a women's? Uh, it was like started a, by a gay woman. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I think I recall she, this. The reason she started that group was to help other people find relationships, find fulfilling relationships. And so, oh, it, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's coming to And me. when she got into a fulfilling relationship, she sort of handed off the torch to the group and just said, you know, um, I've sort of come to as far as I can go with this group and I'm handing over the torch and I want you guys to continue it. And it sort of evolved into this angry group of people. And instead of encouraging one another and giving each other tips about how to better interact or, you know, have better Mm -hmm. uh, relationships with women or to to spark better relationships with women. It just became this angry, hateful It was hijacked. Yeah. It was hijacked. It was hijacked by people who were inciting violence and aggression. Um, And that's sort of how this, you know, that guy who, who shot up that school in California and he killed those because those sorority San girls or San no? Monica Santa Barbara I can't remember anyway he was one of those mm. and took it out on these women who who he blamed oh I recall he yeah. blamed for his virginity yeah and um yeah so anyway the that's concerning to me that statistic is concerning to me for that reason Right. Why are these men sexless? Is it because they're choosing to be or because they are blocking themselves off from it because they're afraid of rejection, because they're afraid of or, or, or do they think it's the woman's fault that they're celibate? And the Internet must have an answer somewhere, but it's masked by anonymity. And we hope that there is... There's a a better reason. Yeah, that's my legitimate hope. Is I hope that it's it's less about the the fucking men's right activists trying to do do a number, trying to up their recruiting numbers, and and more about just people who are either too busy or not interested, or just somebody who who is just getting there, mm-hmm. just in the process of getting there. Yeah, my instinct, my gut is that it's all circumstantial, you know, and that it's just sort of the way the world is going yeah well let's leave on a positive note i say that we tank to the the guys who are who are trying to do the right thing yeah whatever that is whatever that is for them that they're doing the right thing for them. just don't be a dick yeah please be kind you don't have to have sex it's okay if you don't right right but if you want to you know try it out 
Try it out. Be kind. Be happy. Oh, God. I'm exhausted talking about all those guys who can't do it. It's a lot of work. Um, how about the last topic of the night? I think we have two tinks so far. That's a pretty positive stat going into the last topic of the night. But I'm feeling pretty good about this. And that's because we watched a really wonderful movie that we were surprised by. And we just thought that we'd take a moment to share some thoughts on it. And that movie was... Into the spy is it just called Into the Spider Verse or is it Spider Man Into the Spider Verse? Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Okay. We watched that this weekend with my brothers. And what do you think? Initial responses. It was great. It really surprised me. I was thoroughly wowed. Yeah. By that movie, it was really good. And again, let's let's just throw it out there, guys. We are not comic book people. That is not really our our main drive it's not something it's something that's pretty cool but it's not something that we go out of our way to to pursue but there's something about the way that film was put together and the just great qualities of of that production that made me really happy to to live in a in a day and age where we could have an ethnic character being the lead Mm -hmm. miles is is cuban american i believe so yeah puerto rican american maybe I thought he was Cuban. Oh, they might have mentioned it. Yeah. I can't remember. But it it left it left a really good impression. There were some moments where it felt new and and familiar at the same time, and the way that they they wove in the familial part of it. The sorry, Miles is Cuban and black. His dad is black. He's Cuban and black. Yeah, and it it felt very organic. Very hyper. It was a, it was an incredibly mm-hmm. frenetic kind of movie, mm-hmm. uh, but that was part of its joy and and its charm. It mm-hmm. was a really just kind of it was just bouncing all over the place. And again, coming back to that that thing that you mentioned with Billie Eilish, where you said, "I feel like I'm too old to enjoy this." That was the same feeling that I got too watching this movie. That maybe this movie is for kids, and I I shouldn't be into it 100% like I am, but it really won me over and it made me feel like anyone can have a great time when the movie's done well. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the main audience is geared for. If if it's a well-put-together project, it's it's going to be worth a, a shot no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, and it just... The music was so cool and <laughs> I just... It was... It it just... And it... it um. Miles' experience in high school. He was in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was very uh, nostalgic a little bit. Just like you, it felt like an authentic school portrayal. Yeah. You know, like it didn't feel, yeah, it it, it was one of those where there was no false notes in terms of the characters because you were introduced to these folks really quickly. Mm -hmm. The movie, I mean, I can't remember how fast it went. Yeah, it was really. It's a fairly long movie, but it didn't feel that way because it was just coming at you intensely. But at the, right at the beginning, you immediately get a sense of who, who these people are and what their drive is, what they want. And the fact that you immediately bought into it. You immediately felt at home with them. Mm-hmm. That's such a fucking hard thing to do with any movie, especially if you come in with a bias like me. I didn't want to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. I saw the previews, like, when was it last year when mm-hmm. it first came out? And I said, why are they doing this? Yeah. What the fuck is the point yeah, of this? Yeah, I had that thought too. Yeah. Like, another Spider-Man movie, is that yeah. really necessary? Yeah. 
but it felt gimmicky. You know, yeah. you saw Enter the Spider-Verse, you're going to have a whole bunch of different Spider-Men from various eras or, or iterations of, of the same character. Sure, let's see what happens. But thanks to the, the steady leadership of the guys who made the Lego movie, who I think at this point, they're fucking geniuses. Yeah. The stuff that they're doing on, they're on those Oscar projects. They're now Oscar-winning geniuses. And they are Oscar-winning geniuses. They really knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But it takes somebody with a real sense of, of craft to be able to pull something like that off. It was funny. Another, that movie was funny as hell, too. It was, yeah. And my brother said, how did this movie get made? Yeah. Because there are very few super famous voice actors. Mm. It's not like, you know, like, you know how Disney movies, they'll have, like... Top billing. A top billing to get parents yeah. to take their kids. Like, this movie didn't have, didn't really have that. Right. It was just based on pure, you know. Concept. Yeah. Just concept alone. But yeah. the movie itself is so daring mm-hmm. with what it was trying to do that somebody at fucking Sony or whoever made it was like, this has to be made. Well, maybe it helped that, that those... That the Lego movie did so well. Because yeah. that was a really good movie. And they've and done other... Popular. What other movies have they done? That well, were? they got fired from Solo. Oh, right. Because they said it was too funny. Oh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Disney. Uh, yeah, okay. So the Lego movie was like their big claim to fame before I think this. so, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that they had done TV as well. But mm. I'm going to Google it really quick mm-hmm. just for our curiosity. Yeah, I, um, I was really, really impressed by that movie. And it was... Our son, it held our son's attention. The movie was like two hours long. Yeah. And, and he loved he, that movie. He, he was having a blast. It. And I kind of felt guilty because we kind of have a rule where he's young enough that, that he's kind of on the fence on some PG movies. And the movie was fairly um, scary in some moments some or, or had some jump scares. And I felt a little concerned about that. But. He managed to pull through, and I was pretty proud of him. Yeah, our, my but brothers I, were impressed. Yeah, I kept asking him, are you okay? You yeah. don't have to watch this. Yeah, and he no, was like, he was oh, I'm down. Yeah, he was he's, into it. He's ready. Yeah. But I'm looking at a couple of, of details here from... Um, well, while you look at for that, I was just going to mention that we tried to watch We're Back the Dinosaurs last night, which we watched that movie so much when i was a kid it's on netflix right now in case any of you 30 somethings <laughs> would like to take a trip down memory lane we watched that movie so much and we got about halfway through it last night and it got to that part and i had a feeling this might happen because i remembered it being fairly scary that part where they get to the scary uh professor screw eye circus mm-hmm. and our son was just like, nope, I'm done. Like, I'm t- like tapped out of it at that point. He was just like, it's too scary. Yeah. Like, okay, okay. So we turned it off. He didn't want anything to do with and that. And so I, I I, was trying to remember how old we were when we watched that. Maybe he's too young. I don't know. I can't remember. If it was came out in 93, I would have been six, mm. I guess. Maybe we didn't watch it right yeah, when it came out. That movie is old. My yeah. brothers would have been way younger than that. But we we must have watched it later because it was pretty scary. Yeah. It's such a good movie, though. I want to finish it without it. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to watch it this weekend. It. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to make a quick correction. So from the the guys who made the Lego movie, it was just actually Phil Lord, okay, who um who did the writing on the Spider Man movie, okay. But he collaborated with Christopher Miller on the Lego Movie and Solo and a couple of other projects, I guess, including the um the second Lego Movie uh-huh. and something else. Oh, but Lego Batman. Were they involved? I don't know that they were. Maybe produced it. Oh, okay. But one thing, okay, and this is a throwback for me because at at the early 2000s, there was a a cartoon that my friends and I just completely fell in love with, and that was Clone High. Do you remember that? Mm Mm-mm. Where all of these famous uh, people from history Mm -hmm. were cloned and thrown into a high school together. So it's pretty much... Teenage Abe Lincoln, Teenage Cleopatra, and... <laughs> what channel uh, was that on? This was on, like, Cartoon Network, I think. It, is it a cartoon? Yeah, yeah, oh. it's it's a cartoon. Uh, and then JFK is a jock. That's funny. And they, they're all kind of, like, in their cliques. Uh, I think Gandhi, yeah, Gandhi's, like, the nerd. Mm-hmm. But Abe Lincoln is in love with Cleopatra, and they're trying to figure it out. But Phil Lord was a producer on that show in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's been around, but... One of the cool things, I follow him on Twitter, too, and he he is Cuban-American. He is, he is uh, yeah, he's Cuban-American. He's Latino. Amer- yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's Latino. So I noticed that he was making some mentions of that, like how how proud he was that this was legitimately a, a superhero for that, that minorities could look up to. Yeah. That, that young kids could really look up to and aspire to, you know, have a role model. Yeah. Another, you know, yeah, I just thought it was a really cool sentiment mm-hmm. because watching my son watch that movie, I was like, that's that's just a great gift oh, that's that funny. he's giving a lot of kids. That's so white because of me. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I never, you know, because not to get fucking, you know, sappy about any of it, but when I was a kid, there was very little that I could look up to where I I could immediately place my my or project onto you know yeah characters that look like characters you. that look like me you know i had um i guess alfonso arau in the three amigos but he was the bad guy mm-hmm. i just knew that he was a great actor um i had speedy gonzalez uh who else did i have um <laughs> you know like, like there, there wasn't really a lot yeah. when when i was growing up so i not that weren't stereotypes anyway yeah well we had to own the stereotypes yeah. that was the thing and when we talk about the other show that we we've been watching, which is Pen Fifteen, Pen One, yeah, Pen One Five. I think Pen One Five is what people are calling it. I don't know what are people calling that show. I think it's Pen One Five. They're calling it penis because that's what it says. No, I know, but it's sort of like typing boobs on the calculator. Yeah, I think is yeah, what it's supposed to be. which is a great show, and we're going to talk about it yeah, at we'll length next week once we we see a couple more shows. But uh, I bring it up because they talk. They had some of those issues, and I that really hit close to home. Mm-hmm. But the the notion that when you were a kid in that impressionable age, there's very little that that you have to to hold on to, and at least that was my experience when I was you know twelve years old, thirteen mm-hmm. years old, and now I'm just incredibly happy for my son that he gets to have a completely different worldview than me. It's really true. There's not a worldview of longing. Or wanting to belong because he's there and he's gonna he's gonna be way more apt at, at just handling that transition. Well, and he'll adulthood. yeah, and he'll see himself way more represented 
Yeah. In the stuff he, in the media he consumes. Yes. I shit you not, guys, representation matters and it really makes a difference on, on how you view yourself. If you're not part of the, the, you know, (laughs) the traditional worldview. Yeah. But that's just kind of a sidebar there. Uh, but the movie kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just a, a great spectacle it was all fun. around. It was really fun. And like we said, we're not really I'm kind of over Avengers. Like I don't <laughs> give a shit. I don't I'm probably not gonna watch it. I'm trying to get Maddie to watch the Avengers. I've probably been trying for the last two months. Just out of curiosity for me, I wanna know what happens. Mm. But I I think Maddie's exhausted, so I'm not going to... I'll watch it. Uh, It's fine. I'm just not excited about it anymore. I think that's the issue. I just... I would rather watch something else. Then don't watch it, because then you'll be, like, sitting there with your arms crossed going, like, I hate it. (laughs) It's not going to work. Yeah. But anyway, this this movie was... It's worth it. It was fun. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly pleasing. Yeah. And so heartfelt. Yeah. All of those moments with, with his parents and... You know, of course, like his mom was talking Spanish at him and yeah. I just, my heart melted. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. And the relationships were so strong mm-hmm. and it, everything was just so well done. And our Lord and Savior, Nick Cage had a cameo in it. He did. Yeah. He was a uh, uh, 1930s Spider-Man. He was noir Spider-Man. Noir Spider-Man. Yeah, right. noir Spider-Man. Yeah. Great nod to the uh, the classics there. Anything else you want to add to that? Because it, I just give it a, a big old thumbs up. Yeah, big old tank. Big old tank. Big old tank for Into the Spider-Verse. There we go. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Check it out, guys. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do with the rest of your Saturday? I'm going to take the Myers-Briggs test. Oh, yeah. We might talk about that next week. Yeah, We're we gonna should. We're going to get to learn more about ourselves. I was fortunate to... Go to some training and learn a little bit more about myself and and how shitty of a person and lopsided of a person I am. <laughs> and I, I think that taking in some of that information about my personality preferences will make me uh, a better person in the long run if I get my act together. So that's pretty exciting. Now I'm hoping that Maddie finds out how awesome she really is <laughs> when she takes her test. But we'll see what happens there. What do you think? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, we're on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find your podcasts, we're probably there. And rate and review. That's how iTunes works. Yeah, if you guys would give us a a rating, just uh, don't say it's shitty because we're only 10 episodes in, (laughs) but we would appreciate your... uh... Just give us the five stars. (laughs) Just give us that. You're going to love it. Throw us a bone. Yeah. Um, like Sam or Teresa, if you're out there, just, just do five stars. Yeah. I might, uh, I might work on <laughs> so fucking shady. <laughs> We're going to start buying pump some, us, uh, pump up those stars. numbers guys. Yeah. Um, I might start scheduling people on the podcast so that we have recurring uh, guests. Well, yeah. And just, we just need to schedule it so that we actually get guests on here. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fun too. So our I, friends are busy, so we have to yeah. we have to ask them in advance. Our friends are also awesome, so they have to make time. Yeah, give you us thirty minutes. You don't get a choice. Yeah, got no choice. Yeah. Well, let's leave it at that. Three out of three tonight. That was good. Well, we'll leave you guys to it. We're gonna go and keep drinking wine. <laughs> have a good weekend and have a good week. Much love to you all. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>